everybody. It is Corey Fourier, and I'm excited to be back with the Let's Do Influencing show, and really excited to have a very cool guest. Uh, I'm going to say she's uh, she's super cool. This is somebody that I'm excited to bring back onto the show. Uh, she's got a great energy and uh, a really cool story, a great message, and I just love what she stands for. So, Alana Pratt, really excited to have you here today. And perhaps I'm going to do, Alana, even though we shared a little bit about your bio, as you know, I always like to uh, get the the guests themselves to tell us a little bit about their story for those that might be discovering them for the first time. Uh, so can yeah. you tell us just a little bit about your journey before we jump right in? Absolutely. Well, I'm a Canadian like you. Um, I hopped on my Uncle Phil's 18-wheeler semi. I quit college back in Kamloops, British Columbia to head down to the States to, to make it as a dancer because I was a dancer since I was five years old. And I was good enough, but I didn't have a visa. And so I ended up moving over to Japan and a whole new world opened up of like dancing and modeling and, and uh, being a spokesperson. And I was making more money than my parents and I was creating my own life. You know, life was so high um, on successes. And I met my first husband, super handsome, tall, dark and handsome, you know, multimillionaire uh, dude from Wall Street, followed him back to New York City. I was going to Columbia University, you know, smart girl. And then I started to notice that I was being quite fake. That I, that I, at the time, you know, when you're a fish in water, you don't really know you're in this, in water. It's just how life is. And then, but what I was noticing was I was trying to get approval. I was trying to be liked. I was trying to, I was trying. And there was a deep-seated insecurity that I never really knew was there. I was trying to find safety in a man and, and safety in, 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 in some life because on the, on the inside, I felt really spinning. And when I started to do the whole personal growth work and realized, okay, dad was drinking and doing drugs. This little girl is always three steps ahead trying to get daddy's love. I'm like, oh my God, look what I've done. I've, I've married someone more for safety. And I thought that was love. And so as I began to wake up and we did some work and we went to counseling and the rest of it, we moved out to Los Angeles. I started to find people that were more like me not that I don't love fashion, but there was more to life than, you know, Prada sale, et cetera. And I had this deep spiritual yearning to know oneness with the divine. And, and so our marriage, our marriage ended. And then fast forward, I wasn't quite as confident as I was today. I'm like, okay, so if the damsel in distress doesn't work, then the, the, the bit, the, the woman who's got it together, that's what I got to do. And so I was like a little more masculine. I was going to make it happen. I was going to push and try harder and all that motivation stuff um, I was listening to. So I was going to, I found a guy and it, poor, poor man. Basically, do you have a checkbook, a pulse, sperm? This will work. We got it. We got to do this now. We got to get married again. And it was on the brink of my mom dying. My mom um, was my best friend. My dad and I, not so much. My sister and I, not so much, but my mom and I really close. And then she was the one dying. Dad had remarried. My sister was getting married. And, and I just, just wanted to find somebody to replace her. So it wasn't a heart-based decision. It wasn't a wise soul-based decision. It was again, fear running the show. This time from the trying to look good on the outside masculine energy. And the first time it was from the damsel in distress, you know, wounded feminine energy, but it was basically the same wound, two sides of it. And I did it again, got married, mom died, got pregnant. And within a year, there I was a single motherless mom. And I knew the only one in common was me. And I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm looking into my son's eyes and I'm, I, I, I choose to be a woman of grace and power and heart centeredness. And I'm not. 
and I'm spinning in my head and I'm trying to do it right and that's not working either. I'm exhausted and I'm terrified. So sometimes falling to your knees is a really good thing. <laughs> sometimes getting humbled is a really good thing. And so I continued with my personal growth journey and went into about a 12-year court battle with that, the, my son's father. And, and I lost everything. I lost the house, the savings. Uh, I lost partial custody. And it, it was really, I believe now in hindsight, the best thing that could have happened to my ego, this trying to do it right, trying to prove my worth, trying to justify, trying to control, all these, all these things that we all know don't work. I really needed it upside the head for me to really get surrender. Find your worth from the inside. I am bigger than any circumstance. I no longer will create my worth based on another's approval from the outside in. And, and humility is a beautiful place when you come all the way home to, to your truth. That's where the divine lives. That's where your limitlessness lives. So on the one hand, I am very vulnerable, very transparent. And on the other hand, I'm very powerful and very masterful at what I do as a coach. I have these two like edges this badass, don't mess with me. I've got my clients back. I'll go into any fire and sit, sit there. And I've also got this tenderness, this patience where I'll sit with them for eternity if it takes and just love them where they're at. So they feel so safe to, to reveal sometimes what they've never even revealed to themselves. So I call myself an intimacy expert because I believe our intimate relationship with ourself is the most important. Can we love our wobbly part equally to our triumphant part? Are we in no resistance to self so that we can be totally present with self so that we can be totally present with another and not judge, fix, control, manipulate, do the agenda, but really just be this invitation for an authentic connection. And when I teach my clients to do that with self, then oh, lo and behold, their romantic relationships improve, but also they can just be with their kids and when their kid says, I'm scared or I'm sad, they don't go fix them. They go, wow, tell me more. And they don't feel alone on the planet. Oh my God, I have to control everything. They really do feel that the divine is their very, their very breath, has their wings, creates miracles if they would just relax and go with the flow. Clients, ideal clients have that special something, something. They, they just know that's the coach for me. And, and their businesses improve uh, if they're a coach or, or whatever it is they do on the planet. So everyone's life holistically up levels when you're willing to go to the core of the core of the core, that intimate relationship with self. And I feel, you know, now in hindsight, blessed for this challenge, the gifts and the challenge that got me here and got me to meet you and got me up to 4 million views on YouTube and all having all sorts of fun in my life. Um, and I, uh, and I wouldn't have got here if I didn't love myself in the face of anything. I, I fell down and I love and accept myself. I lost my house. I love and accept myself. That client didn't sign up. That guy didn't want to date me, et cetera, et cetera. My son wants to live with his dad right now. He's 15, having his guy time. And I love and accept myself so I can always come home. And that's where I love to bring my clients to, back home. Wow. So few directions I want to go there. Don't let yeah. me forget to circle back to the, uh, the YouTube views that you just mentioned. Uh, because yeah. So we obviously like to help people wherever they're at become influencers. So some people influence just means they want to help one person. Some people means they want to help many at once. Yeah. And I know 
try to judge that meaning sometimes people think of an influencer has to be from a stage or whatever that might be i don't but i want to come back to that because i know influencers care about things like that like how can i get my traction up and how can i make some of that magic happen there but one of the things i wanted to run past you alana because it's i always go with what feels at the moment like i need to explore this and i'm just reading yeah. now rereading uh, napoleon hill's think and grow rich and i know we were talking about this off air uh one of the yeah. things napoleon hill's talking about in the part i'm in now is outwitting the six ghosts uh, of fear and so it's like fear of poverty fear of this fear of that one of the ones which i find really intriguing and so i want to get your take on this and i think i know yeah. the answer. bear in mind this book was written in the 30s so it's going to be a way okay. different perspective than probably today but one of the things he talked about was fear of criticism and he was talking mm -hmm. about how fear of poverty probably strikes women and men equally in his opinion fear of death fear of old age but he said that he didn't think fear of criticism impacted women as much as men and i would love to get your take on that because uh, you can probably tell as i bring that up i was kind of surprised by that take on it and what he used as the example was how how back then there would be a lot more men that would be homeless on the streets than women mm. And he was saying it seemed like a lot of them were struggling because with the criticism, you know, in other words, they were criticized by people that uh, they couldn't get a job from or people that were working and walking by in the street. And he said, it didn't seem like women seemed to be bothered by that. And so you're, you know, you and I are talking about, you're talking about intimacy. You're talking about accepting yourself, self-esteem. And I see so many people that struggle with self-esteem. So it seems to me that some of that would have to be tied in a fear of being criticized. So I'd love to get your thoughts on that. Yeah. To me, with my clients, criticism goes in two directions, towards self and towards others. Judgment. We could use the, the words interchangeably. And I think a lot of us have been raised to be motivated to kick our ass and move forward. And you're really being motivated by fear as opposed to being inspired by love. And so a lot of women in society are highly critical of their beauty. I mean, if you look at the magazine, everybody's 13 and airbrushed. So like there's no, no reality out there. So you're set up to lose every day of your life. You're getting older and failing. So a humongous amount of criticism there. And also we are taking care of ourselves. We are not happy homemakers. Most of us at home having someone else pay the bills. We have choice. We can stay home should that be our truth and we can work if that's our truth or a bit of both. And so we, we are subjected to a lot of the criticism in the working world that, that a man would be. And, and we could even argue uh, even more at times to have to prove our worth as a, as a woman. So I think criticism is absolutely equal, but just perhaps different flavors. Men right now are ex experiencing a lot of criticism of anything that's slightly uh, affectionate or sexual whatsoever, you know, with the whole need to movement, et cetera. They're on hypervigilance of criticism in that realm. So I think it, what this is really saying to everyone is that we're doing a super shitty job of accepting ourselves. A super shitty job of not of being critical of, of of not being kind and instead being critical of ourselves and judging ourselves all of us are because we're living in fear criticizing ourselves criticizing others and, and the big gift you know full circle back to intimacy is what would it take to come into allowance you don't have to like the size of your ass you don't have to like the size of your bank account could we just stop judging ourselves just for five minutes could we come into allowance and stop the spinning and the pushing and the judging and the trying and the overcoming and the triumphing and all the rest of it and just be, just exhale and let it be okay that we are where we are, thus not in criticism of self or others, thus sitting in the fire, I call it, and just saying, hey, 
self, I'm doing my best. Hey, other, you're doing your best. Hey, child, hey, wife, hey, husband, hey, whoever. Okay, we're doing our best. And so from a zero point of just presence and centeredness, choose what's possible. Because you can't actually choose when you're spinning in trying to not be criticized and not be rejected and make it work and look good. and blah, all. That's not a choice. That's a reaction. And you'll never get there. Once you get there, then you got to stay there or you got to get more because it's never enough. There's no peace in any of that. So um, I can appreciate from his point of view, a certain kind of criticism all those years ago. And um, in today's modern world, Yes, we could focus on um, who's more gets more criticism than other, but that's just more competition. And again, I think that takes us away from what we're really talking about, which is how can we just be at peace with ourselves, our wobbly parts, our triumphant parts, calm down, experience that enoughness just because. No, you don't even need an end to the sentence. It's just because. Because when you can come to the, that I'm enough just because, everything is quiet and true choice of what would delight me your true purpose, your true, true genius, your talents and gifts that you're really here to give, not for an in order to, but because only you got those unique gifts now, just because. And, and there will never be another one like you. They broke the mold. And so what would it feel like to just give of yourself for no in order tos? It's freedom. It's delicious. It's blissful. We, if you get the client or don't, if you make a million or don't, if you whatever, that's all extra. That's all the gravy. It's just that sense of fulfillment that I was me today. I did me. I gave me. I received me. I shined as me. That's really lovely because a lot of people have this misunderstanding that our worth is our accomplishments, but it's not. Our worth is our worth, and it never changed from the moment we were born to the moment we die. Never changes. Our accomplishments change. We have more accomplishments. We lose the house. We gain the million. We do whatever. Those are accomplishments and achievements. That's not who you are. That's what you do. Right? Who you are is your worth and that never changes. And I think so few people ever even hear that perspective, let alone embody it and walk around without having to prove shit and just shining. Wow. So I, I love that. And, and so I have to say in terms of, you know, one of the things that I say, I guess, frequently is I believe that... Um, for most of the things we worry about. Now, I mean, like anything, and I won't say it's all inclusive, but for most of the things we worry about, if we could simply ask ourselves, how big of a deal will this really be in 10 years time? Mm -hmm. And if we could say not big, or I might not even remember exactly what happened, or like this fight I'm having, I might not even remember what the fight was about. If you can honestly say that, then why are you killing yourself? literally killing yourself today emotionally over it. And by the way, that was a game changer for me because for years, I guess I didn't have the reflection. And what happened once I hit about 30, I started realizing these things that I thought were the end of the world were not only, I'm going to say, beneficial, they were absolutely necessary yes. for the person I became. And I don't even mean just like, you know, the, the hypothetical, like um, I had to do this to become a bigger person. I mean, I could actually go back and track how this worst thing that ever happened to me was actually crucial to the best thing that ever happened to me. And so I mentioned to you, Alana, off air, I'm working on a book right now where I talk about this in relation to advice you would give to your younger self and what do we carry? And the most common advice that I hear from people when I ask a question about what would you tell your younger self is stop beating yourself up. It's not as big of a deal as you think. 
if you try to, if you even try to change what you're doing now, you won't become the great thing you are in the future. And these are people that have 20 years reflection now can look back and say, I beat myself up over that. And that was crucial. And so a great example mm -hmm. in my life was I, my very first business failed and I beat myself up over that. And I actually shied away from people. I was like, cause I was 20 years old or 19 when I launched it and I was getting all these accolades cause I was so young. And then when it failed, it was the opposite scenario. And so I thought it was the end of the world and I should never go into business and all this again. And then I go and work at a fortune 500 company, competed with 170 some people. They only hired one person. It was me. I didn't even show up in a suit. They told me to come back for a second interview in a suit. I didn't show up again and I still get hired. And I said, why did you hire me? And the general manager said, you had a, a business, a small newspaper, but it was a business selling advertising when you were 19 years old and you moved across the country. And to, to basically to try to make a go of it. He said, I need somebody like that. I was going for a, a sales role. He said, I need somebody like that to survive in this business because if I get somebody who hasn't tried this before, if they don't like it or if they're scared by it, they'll move on. And so all of a sudden, Atlanta, what I seen was the one thing that I was beating myself up over for two years was that paper. And that paper became necessary to get a Fortune 500 company job, which then led to me becoming a speaker and all these other things since. So it's like Steve Jobs talks about if you can join up your dots. That was my dot. That, the dot was that mm -hmm. I failed in business. But without that failure in business, the best thing that happened to me at the time would have never happened. And so... Mm -hmm seeing that throughout a few years, all of a sudden it's easy to look back and say, look at this. But I always think, imagine if somebody could take the perspective when they're 20 now, you know, of the idea of, will this matter in 20 years? Because mm -hmm. that newspaper that failed, not only now does it not matter, it just became a really good story to share on shows and stuff, you know, about having this business paper failure. But I can't even tell you details about that paper anymore. It's, it didn't matter. But at the mm -hmm. time it was like, I lost I, I looked at it like I lost a marriage. You know, it was the, it was, I was grieving loss. And so that's a long tangent to say that <laughs> I, I love what you're saying there about sometimes maybe it realizes that maybe it's important to realize that you don't always have to be on or beating yourself up because you're not good enough and all this stuff. And you don't have to beat yourself up over this misstep you made. Because again, with hindsight, a lot of times we realize it won't matter 10 years from now. So if it won't matter 10 <laughs> years from now, why not make the best of it? Enjoy the journey. And if it doesn't, if it isn't perfect, oh well. Yeah. My company is actually called Celebrate the Process Incorporated, not Celebrate the Goal. <laughs> because it, it, I needed to remind myself that every moment, I am equally worthy. Every moment is equally valuable. And more, I'm a coach. I have a full I'm so grateful for full coaching practice. And I always have a coach or two that I'm working with because I can never see my blind spots. And one of them that I'm working with right now talks about equilibration, the, the, the balance in the universe, right? And that every single moment is equally full of support and challenge. Every moment is equally full of pain and pleasure. But so, much, so many of us get addicted to the pleasure and like resist, resist, resist the pain. And we don't know how to navigate intense emotions and just in America, let alone Canada, there's, I think, 45 million people on antidepressants. Like, we're not taught that, we're taught that pain is bad and you've got to be happy. And if you're not, you're wrong. You're not perfect, et cetera. And, and there's no um, leaning in. There's no welcoming. There's no see the beauty in the pain. And it's just instant judgment. And if you can just imagine when my, I'm looking at my mother, she had cancer, she died. So that's like on the one hand, half of it was this horrible pain. And like anything I'd ever felt before mixed with, because I was willing to open my heart and stay present to the all of the moment, not just the pain, but there was beauty. 
She was free. She wasn't in pain anymore. She was with the, the all. And then fast forward uh, nine, 10 months later, I gave birth. Um, and there my, my beautiful baby was on my breast for the first time. And I looked in his eyes and I experienced this bliss that I'd never experienced in my life before. But because I kept my heart open and I was present to the all, I was equally, equally terrified. Oh shit, he could die. Oh my God. So like it's every moment, if you're willing to actually stay present and off the roller coaster of addiction and just breathe the depth and the breadth and the width of every moment, there's equal pain and pleasure in every single moment. And so we don't need to clamor to one side or the other. And we don't need to be addicted. We don't need to give our power away. We don't need to keep spinning. We can just come down into that. It's sort of like the well inside your heart that was carved through all of that sadness and all of that heartache is also the well in which you can pour in joy simultaneously. Like it's all there all the time. And, and I pride myself on being able to be with the breadth of any situation and, and breathe and stay present and stay in my prefrontal cortex and be able to support myself, support my loved ones, support my clients, rather than the old Alana, who is majorly scampering for safety and pleasure and majorly resisting any of the pain because I hadn't found that place inside. I hadn't found my own backbone. I hadn't cradled my little Alana inside. I hadn't let myself be cradled by the divine. I didn't know what an exhale truly felt like. I was just inhaling more and just kept going and going, terrified to, to surrender. And so this is sort of an esoteric sort of statement to say, but, but if you find yourself listening to this and, and it's resonating and you're a little worried about what happens if I let go, I know, I know what to do to keep trying and pushing and accomplishing and getting and all, but I, I don't really believe I'm enough if I don't do all of that. And I don't really believe at the end of the day, the universe has my back and, and I don't really know how to exhale and just be my challenge to you, my invitation to you is to discover that so that you can have the richness in all directions, that if this was your very last breath, there's no regrets because you savored as many of these as you really could. And something happens when you can do that. You, you risk more because you don't really care because you're not going for something in order to be good enough. You're, you're just really richly living every moment. And when you can be like that with the person at the checkout counter, and really say thank you for your groceries and it lands, that can change a life. If you can be like that with your lover, and even though you've said I love you a million times, say it and make it land. If you can be with your kid like that, if you can send an email like that, like if it was the last time you could ever send it, not to be morbid, but like just to enrich, there's so much fulfillment every day if we let ourselves deepen our roots, not just keep striving for the shoots all the time. And I love the shoots and I'm proud of how far I've come. And yet at the end of the day, if all of it went away, thank God I've done enough work to know I'm enough. And I, and I believe that's our, all of our birthright. And life becomes so much richer if we know that as we create total gratitude, total embodiment, complete exhale, I'm enough. And... Oh my goodness, what would delight me to contribute to humanity and have a shitload of fun today? Ha <laughs> and, ha! And have each of these strengths makes life really worth living. It's, to me, that's intimacy. So, Alana, I promised that I would circle back to the YouTube channel and, yeah. and sort of taking place there. Reason I, I wanted to ask you about this is because this is a new, you know, going to your point actually about the idea of us trying to more, 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 and then also. I really think that the idea of us 
getting eyeballs or ears onto us if we're trying to become an influencer or impact lives it's kind of it's being encouraged everybody's come from every angle you need to be on instagram tv you need to be on linkedin live you need to be on facebook and they're all separate platforms and they all want to be separate so that means you have to if you're going to do them they're not even very interchangeable you know you could record a video and upload it to youtube and facebook uh, and and LinkedIn, but all of a sudden they're they're not going to reward you as much as if you just record it through them. So it's almost like they're all saying, "Come to us, come to us." And so you've had success with YouTube. And so what I'm trying to drive at with this uh -huh. I get question about this is, what what do you feel if you could sum it up based on looking back now? You have the reflection benefit of being able to see four million views what what were the key things i guess that moved the dial if you will you know for somebody that's mm -hmm. wanting to jump in and i'm not trying to give them the shortcut but at least maybe some of the high levels here's something they should do for sure you know things like consistency or whatever that might have been are there some things that you noticed that seem to work for your youtube channel in terms of moving the needle mm. so i would say there's like an inner game and an outer game so the inner game is and i've gone i've done it two two ways at the beginning the inner game was i'm not good enough what do i need to do to be good enough look good do it right and do what they need to do on youtube to be successful so it was all based on insecurity all based on trying to do it right which comes across and that doesn't work okay so that didn't work so i let go and i was like you know screw this i just love doing videos and being a dork. I don't care if my cat knocks over the camera. I don't care if I don't have, oh, one day I'm like, oh shit, I only put one eyebrow on. I didn't like fill the other eyebrow in with my makeup. Like I'm like, oh, well, that's how it went. Cause whatever, like just being myself. Like, so that was an inner shift. I'm not giving a shit doing, like leading with my, my mission versus leading with getting the money, getting the result, getting the, getting the, getting the, like I stopped leading with that and I started leading with my mission, my vision, my joy. That was the inner game that started to create the outer results because what people were sensing and feeling was authenticity in a world of a lot of, you know, shenanigans and people wanting your money and all the rest of it. So people can smell it. And, and so that, that would be like part of the initial inner and outer game. And that was, I don't know, maybe 15 years ago when I started all the way till now, I have a social media assistant who knows all these things that you speak of that I know nothing of. All I know is make a video, Alana. That's great. That's all I know. And she tags this and does that and does that. She knows all the ins and outs and the whistles because it's not my genius. I don't give a shit. And it's her job. And thank you very much that she exists. I couldn't do it without her. So it's like, have a good team be spend some money learn take some courses you know hire somebody so that you're not wasting your time but unless you really geek out on that kind of stuff do what you're here to do and serve people and do what brings you joy um the, and then the last little piece of like technical stuff i would say is and again start where you are but now that i'm at this next level and i choose to go to this next level i choose it because it brings me joy corey like it brings me joy i love talking like getting people's questions and i literally people are always like it's like you're talking right to me i'm like well duh i am hello like what do you think who am i talking to like a camera or something no like i literally answer the person's questions and when i look in the camera i'm talking to a person i'm not talking to a camera trying to look good trying to do right i'm literally caring about them my heart is open i'm giving my direct like love and my guidance, like it's real. Um, and then the other, so that's the inner and the outer part is now I've spent more money on like a better camera. Just make it look good. You know, like don't go crazy 
And like my little interview right now, I have this little like light thing so that I look better than if I didn't. So like, like it's just little tiny things, but just sort of start to learn the technology and go with it. But don't, don't stress, have fun. So whatever the platform is for you that you really love, have fun and, and get help along, get help along the way, but never put the, the looking good, the money, the goal, the make it happen in front, always lead with your heart, your genius, your talents, your service. I love that. And I have to say what, what that reminds me of, and you know, it's one of these things where you have to, everybody has to make their own judgment call. If this person, you know, speaks to them or resonates with them. But one thing I will say for somebody that's really crushed it in terms of results. And, and so again, results, as, as you mentioned, aren't the be all end all. But if, if you, you know, if somebody goes, well, this person's really done it, they've had the results this person has, which is Gary V, Gary Vaynerchuk. And one of the things that, have, you know, I won't go into the full detail because some people are massive fans. Some people uh, have a hard time with the idea of grinding as much as he does. Uh, but the one thing, Alana, that you just talked about that he does really well or did really well was when he first started, he did his wine library TV where he'd bring on it could be like his father one episode. It could be his dog another episode. It could be this person that's his cousin. And then it could be Wayne Gretzky. And he'd have them all on, you know, in the same week. And he'd knock over a bottle of wine. And this is a show about wine. And he'd just like, ah, oh, we'll get that later. And, and he would be sitting there in his, you know, his beat up shirt might have a hole in it. So to your point, he was coming at it like, this is me for all, you know, for whatever it is. And I think that's when he first got started. That's why he blew up so big is because he was being authentically him for who he is. Yeah. I'm, as you said, where yeah. most people were trying to polish it all up. He was, I don't even, and I think he was just using like a, a cheap camera. I don't even know if he any, knew anything about lighting, but he was just doing these <laughs> videos. And next thing you know, he's getting 80,000 views, a video at the time when Martha Stewart was getting 70,000 views, you know, and, yeah. and I think it was because he came at it the way you just said, whereas he just said, you know what? At first, I think he tried to polish it up, and then he just said, "You know what? That's not me. This is me. Yeah. For all for like it or, or dislike it." And it's such a good point you're making because when I a lot of people come to me to manifest their beloved, they've gone through a horrible divorce, or they just keep meeting emotionally unavailable people, or like they're like, "What is going on?" And it's always, of course, this intimate relationship with yourself, as we've been speaking of. But when you get out there on your date, if you're trying to impress them, if you're trying to control the outcome, if you're three steps ahead and you're not even listening, it's exactly the same thing we're saying on YouTube as we're saying on a date. And even somebody you've been married to for 20 years, you already know who they are. I already know what they're going to say. Well, that doesn't feel very good. Could we be curious? about who this person has evolved into even 20 years later, like get to know them fresh even after all these years. So again, it's this authenticity. It's the not trying to be anybody who you're not, which allows you to get out of your head, which allows you to sink into presence in your heart and in your body, which allows you to have like, oh my God, I'm feeling nervous right now. I'm feeling scared right now. I'm feeling turned on right now. I'm feeling inspired right now. Like you can, you, you have enough of a relationship with yourself that you can communicate that with another. A lot of guys that I coach, they're like, oh my God. And then I, then I spaced out and I didn't know what she said. And then I said something really stupid. I go, well, why didn't you just say you spaced out? Well, then she'd hate me. I go, well, you could say something like, well, I was just so mesmerized by your smile that I totally didn't hear what you just said. Could you repeat that please? And like, you know, soften it up a smidge, but at least be real. Cause she can tell. Right. Um, so 
again, what we're saying is in today's world to, to stand out in the dating world, in the business world, not as an agenda to beat others and be in competition because that's just fear-based, but to be your best self, to be the excellence you were here to be is, is authenticity. I think that level of transparency and vulnerability in a world where there's so many liars and people trying to pull one over, you stand out without trying. People can smell it and, and they will trust you, respect you, sign up for your channel, take you on a date, whatever it is your goal is. And, and so you can let down, if this is your body, stop the pushing and the trying and just come home. Don't hide either. Like be here, just be proud of who you are and who you're not. And that's plenty. Okay. Like own it, take up space, you know, in your cojones or your ovaries or whatever, whoever's watching, but like you, you are such a gift and they'll never make another one like you. So stop trying to compare and just be you. That's the biggest gift you can be. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.